Welcome to Industry Roundtable with Roger Reiswig. I'm Roger Reiswig, Fellow and Vice President of Industry Relations at Johnson Controls. In this series, I will host leaders in the industry to explore fire and life safety issues that matter to you. Hello and welcome to another edition of Industry Roundtable. I am Roger Reiswig. Today, my guest is Chip Hollis. Chip is the Senior Director, Credentials and Administration at the National Institute for Certification in Engineering Technologies, or NYSET. Welcome, Chip. Thanks, Roger. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I, I really appreciate the invite and the opportunity to share a little bit about NYSET. Um, starting off just with a little bit of history, um, NYSET was established by NSPE, the National Society of Professional Engineers, in 1961. So the, the founder of NSPE was David Steinman, and, and his original vision um, was to protect engineers and the public from unqualified practitioners, uh, to build public recognition for the profession, and to stand against unethical practices and inadequate compensation. So NYSET was established to do these same things for technicians. So that's how NYSET got its start. Um, more recently, um, you know, I've, I, I started NICE, with NYSET about 15 years ago. Currently, I am NYSET Senior Director. I'm responsible for implementing the policy and direction established by the NYSET Board of Governors and daily operations. So, you know, as they say sometimes, the, the buck stops here. Um, but one of the things that I've really stri strived to do while at NYSET is to, to cultivate a customer-friendly environment and use technology to improve the processes. Um, so doing that all at the same time by maintaining NYSET's rigor and integrity. Um, so I know you're a little bit familiar, but I'm happy to talk today and looking forward to um, these discussions. Well, thank you, Chip. I uh, appreciate the background of NYSET. Um, probably a lot of people aren't familiar with the history and it's great to get that perspective. Um, how long have you been with NYSET? I have been with NYSET for 15 years, um, just this August 1st. Oh, fantastic. And congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. So um, I think most of our audience is familiar to a point with the fire alarm uh, certification and maybe some of the other life safety certifications that NYSET offers. But what other certifications does NYSET provide that we might not be aware of? So I'll start off with um, our newest program which is for in-building public safety communication systems. And this is the, the systems a lot of people have been talking about quite recently, um, whether it's ERCSIs or the, you know, the, the technology of DAS and BDAs um, that um, provide those in-building, um, the public safety communication enhancement systems for the first responder radios. Um, so this, these systems are put in place so that the first responders can um, communicate with each other in an emergency situation inside of a building, or sometimes a building will block that signal. There's also adding those systems can be problematic for the whole network. So there's a lot that goes into it and ensuring that they're done, designed and installed, uh, maintained properly um, has become uh, more and more critical. Um, so the, the Safer Buildings Coalition um, asked us to create a, a, a program to qualify folks that do that. And we've just recently um, released the level one technician and there are two tracks to it. Um, a technician track 
and then also a design track. The design track really only has one level, um, but these um, four different um, certifications, the three level technician track, which is kind of our normal career track progression, and the design track can be used together um, or independently, uh, depending on the situation. Um, but um, we announced a few weeks ago that technician level one is available. And on your podcast, I can let you know that the design um, uh, the design uh, exam is available now. Um, we haven't made, even made the announcement publicly on the NYSET site. Um, we're still doing some end-to-end -end testing just to make sure, but, um, but someone could apply for that exam today. Um, so a big announcement here on your pod podcast. Well, that's fantastic, um, Chip. Thank you. And I'm really glad to hear that too. It's a much needed uh, certification out there for, the, for that um, part of the industry. So that's great news. Yeah, some of the others that uh, folks might not be aware of is we're also in civil engineering. So for highway construction inspection, um, we, we have a certification program. And then also for construction materials testing, um, for the testing of asphalt, concrete, and soils. And these programs, um, or the, the construction materials testing programs, actually have a, um, a full performance component where someone um, goes through a set uh, of... Of, of exams that are performance, where it's a, it's a uh, hands-on test where they will run, you know, like a slump test or a sieve analysis, or if you're familiar with those types of tests to determine that these um, construction materials, that they can run those on-site tests. Um, and there's a, you know, a person watching them do that and grading them as they do it. So not just the multiple choice, um, but a full hands-on performance exam go along with those. Oh, that's interesting. I wasn't aware that you, uh, did that as part of those certification processes that that's really interesting yeah, and it's it's relatively new okay um it was one thing that you know it's kind of a strange thing to start during the pandemic um um that complicated it but um it is just over uh, a year now that we've been doing those and it's was because of a call from the industry that it's needed the technicians needed to have that hands-on demonstration to prove competency okay well i guess to, to maybe to back up for a second then maybe some of our audience might not be fully aware of NYSET or maybe new to the industry or even thinking about getting their own certification. So when we say someone is certified by NYSET, what does that really mean? And how does a person go about obtaining their NYSET certification in a particular discipline? So at, this, at the, the, the core of it, it means that they have met an industry set minimum qualification. Um, and it's for knowledge, experience, and performance. So the knowledge we do through exams and these exams and the whole thing um, is really developed on a consensus basis, similar to the way codes and standards are developed, where we um, invite industry experts, practitioners, um, and, and as to volunteer to help develop the content. Um, so that happens through an exam that tests knowledge. And during that process, um, a minimum set of experience um, requirements will be put in place and the performance piece. And all of our programs do have that performance piece um, that I mentioned for construction materials testing, except for that it's not quite as rigorous um, on the, uh, as that person watching you do it um, as a third party proctor. Um, for now, those performance measures are done by a, a qualified 
supervisor, somebody in a supervisory capacity can sign off that yes, the, the technician has done it completely or competently. Um, so it is meeting those set of requirements. Um, sometimes people don't necessarily un understand that they really can be done in any order. Um, as long as you meet all of them, um, we will certify you to those to, to the certification. Um, but not, the order doesn't necessarily matter, um, but it is a completion of all of the requirements um, is when we issue certification. So Chip, that's really interesting. And we talk about uh, the knowledge part of it and what somebody would go through um, to take the test or prove their knowledge. Uh, it's probably a little bit different than what it was when I went through. But today, when somebody submits their application, they want to go ahead and uh, do the knowledge part of it. What does that look like today? How do they go about doing that? Well, this is one of the things that we've done recently is to move all the entire application process online. And um, um, the first step to that was to move to a computer-based computer testing format. So we moved the exams from a paper pencil format to computer-based. And this kind of simplified some of the scheduling process. But right now, um, you would create an account. And if you already have ever tested or um, been certified with NYSET, you do have an account. You just need to access that account online. Um, but if it's your first time, you do want to create a new account. And once, you, once you've done that, um, there's a, an application process where you put the an application card is what we like to call it into your onto your home screen, um, and there's some some instructions for that. But um, you go through and pick the exam or the program that you want to get certified in, um, and then it starts with the paying the fee, um, and that that is a is an application fee. But it starts that process of the application for the exam and a place to enter the experience documentation and the performance measures. So. Once that, that fee is paid, you can go directly into um, the scheduling of the, the, the scheduling portal for Pearson View. Um, so this is a, a fairly recent enhancement for us. It's a real-time integration where you can, as soon as that, that eligibility is issued, you can go and schedule your exam at any of the Pearson View centers um, that's you know, convenient to you at any time that they have available. Um, so that is the first part of that getting the exam. Um, for um, that piece put together. Then there's a, a place where you complete the experience documentation. If you're completing the experience documentation for the first time, we do want to get a, a full picture of your work experience. So from the beginning of your career um, uh, to the present um, and fill, fill that out. Um, and there's some, some fairly specific instructions for that. Um, if you've been certified with NYSET before and you've you provided work history in the past, we really would be only looking for an update from your last submission. If you're not sure when that is, just please contact us and we'll let you know that when to, to start that again. So you don't have to provide everything every time. It's really just an update since the last submission. Um, the next piece is those performance measures. Now all you have to do is enter your supervisor's name and email um, and we send them out a form, they complete it. You'll see that it's there. Um, you do have to check to make sure um, that they have completed it. Um, uh, and all the, the answers are yes. It needs to be that way for to certification. You can have more than one verifier if you need it. Um, but um, typically, you want to make sure that the supervisor fills it out completely. Um, once that's all done, um, that you, you verify it, 
and sign off and then hit a submit button that lets us know um, that you're ready for us to review it. Um, but up until that time, you can make changes and additions along the way. Um, the nice thing about this um, new process is that it's it's very transparent. Um, you know what you submitted. You know, when it used to be all done by mail, you could put it in the mail and you're not sure where it went. Um, so um, you know, now we know when it was submitted, um, when we're looking at it, we know we're looking at the same thing that you are. Um, so it's it, it makes it the whole process just more transparent and um, easier to track um, and the and the workflow just go more smoothly. Well, that's great to know, uh, Chip. And I wasn't aware about the verifier, how the um, you can do that electronically now. So that's that's really interesting as a person who's done verification for some of uh, our employees here at Johnson Controls. So how about for people that are outside the United States? Um, we have people that listen uh, and want to be involved in the life safety around the globe. Um, what is NYSET's ability for them? So we have a couple of different options. And truly international certification is, is tricky for, for many reasons. And one of the big ones is the work experience. Um, but right now, I did want to just make sure that everybody knows that if you have access um, to a military base with a Pearson View test center, that is available to anybody, um, you know, anywhere that, that that's available. Um, so as long as you have access to the base, and that's the key thing, you do have to contact us and, and show us um, that you have permission to go on base um, to, to do that. So um, uh, let us know. I'm happy to work with you there. Um, the other piece is that we've been working with, and, and Johnson Controls has been instrumental um, in, in helping us get a beta program um, uh, established where um, individuals that are working for, for companies like Johnson Controls that have a U.S. presence and are working towards U.S. work practices, um, that we can open up test centers um, around the world to take the NYSET certification program. Um, it's been generally focused on India at this point, um, but we're working to um, you know, expand that as we get a, a, just a better feel that we can do it and make sure that that, that certification that we are issuing to somebody um, outside of the US is equivalent to what we're issuing in the United States. Um, so that you know, if there is any travel back and forth that we know that um, um, you know, we're certain, especially when somebody's coming from outside the US, to come to work in a jurisdiction where NYSET's required, um, you know, it's a condition of employment um, that um, it is truly equivalent. They've demonstrated all of the same things that you would if you um, um, took the certification program um, in the United States. Um, so we're not fully to anywhere you want in the world, um, but we're working towards that. Um, and Johnson Controls has has. Um, been a, a big partner in helping us establish that. So I, I wanted to say thank you. No, and we are glad to uh, to be part uh, of NYSET and to help with that endeavor. And I, th and I think also, as I've talked with you in the past, if somebody found themselves traveling to the U.S. for business or what have you, that they are free to be able to take the test while they're here in the U.S. before they return back to their home country, right? That's right. Yeah, anybody can come to the U.S. from anywhere in the world and take the exam um, at this time. Um, we still will make that determination of the work experience. Um, and sometimes there's some extra, um, extra effort that's put on 
on the, the NYSET staff to verify that um, um, depending on the, the, the company that the person works for um, or the area of the country that they're coming from or the area of the world that they're coming from. No, very good. Yeah, if I can um, maybe ask you a question about maybe for some of us who've had our NYSET certification in a certain discipline for some period of time, there used to be a way that you would obtain your certification and you would go through these various modules, and some were described, for lack of a better word, as core modules, and you were able to use crossovers to go from one discipline to another as they all pretty much would use the same types. You know, for example, I used it when I had fire alarm as well as special hazard system layout. There was a lot of core things that overlapped. Is that still true today? Are there certain core elements or core fundamental things or, or is a test a standard standalone test for a, a discipline? So they are standalone um, exams now. And I'll, and I'll just give a little background. The, the module system was a great system and it worked very well for many years. Over the years, though, the certification industry best practices changed. You know, just similar to the way codes and standards change over time, um, and the the new best practices dictates exams with more questions. If you remember the modules, they probably had five questions. Um, so that um, that number of question questions is not necessarily as reliable as a as a test with um, larger number of questions. So that's why we've moved away from it, um, and. In doing so, you know, there, we did have a lot of general elements that could be used across disciplines. Um, so we, we got rid of those. And just for example, you know, if we were talking about basic math or basic science um, could be used across disciplines. Um, now, if we're going to ask a math question, it's going to be in a, in a scenario that's based on that, that specific. So it would be a, a math problem that you would experience as fire alarms, as a fire alarm technician. So what we found is we can be, uh, be more accurate in determining the qualified from the not yet qualified for fire alarm systems by asking specific uh, math questions that are related to that industry um, and shorten the total number of questions. While we don't have crossovers um, um, that work across disciplines, the total number of questions um, to, to get to a certain level of competency and demonstrate that you answer the correctly that number um, in total is less. I hope that makes sense. No, yes, absolutely. And um, you know, I, I think you helped me along, uh, along with something else. There is a new fire alarm test and inspect uh, program that you've created. And I have my NICE at level four for fire alarm systems, but I also do a lot of work in the test and inspect field. And I was able to submit documentation, the paperwork, and able to um, obtain those certifications as well. And I think there's a lot of other people in our industry that might fall into that category that they've gotten their NICE at three or four years ago and know that there is a new a fire alarm test component or a, or a module that they could get. Uh, if you could briefly maybe want to talk about that or, or let people know about, about the program and what they might be able to do. Certainly. So we have the comprehensive, and it's the, the fire alarm systems program that has been around um, for many, many years. And it is the program that we have the most number of individuals certified in. And that comprehensive program does cover um, um, inspection, testing, maintenance. It covers install. It covers design, commissioning, um, management. There's a whole realm of, of, of content areas that 
um, that covers. And it's, it's intended to be comprehensive. Um, what we found is when we move from the, to the computer-based test and the standard model, um, that there were some folks that were only doing inspection and testing and maintenance. That's all they did. Um, and they weren't able to qualify in the comprehensive program. So the fire alarm industry came to us and said, can you do something that's specifically just for inspection testing? We want to make sure that those folks, this is critical um, that those folks have a, a minimum level of competency. So um, because the fire alarm systems, the comprehensive program already asks questions and, and the individuals that pass those exams are tested and the previous work element exams included um, uh, covering that content area, um, the, you know, the industry, and this was you know, the, the set of in experts that um, designed the program, you know, the, did the practice analysis, came up with this, um, this and, I, and I don't necessarily want to call it crossover. It's a, a almost because it's, it, it doesn't quite work the same way crossovers did in the past, but um, it demonstrate by passing the level one, two, and three in, in the um, fire alarm system comprehensive exam, it demonstrated that you do have the same knowledge as somebody that would have taken and passed the level one and two inspection and testing exams, the newer exams. Um, and it's level one and two for the comprehensive exam uh, demonstrate the same knowledge as the level one exam. So there's for inspection and testing. So there's more in the, in the comprehensive, you're, you're getting tested on more than just inspection and testing, but it covers those same inspection and testing, um, that, that same content uh, at those levels. So there is information on our website on both pages, um, both program pages about the, that crossover. Uh, and I, and I, I, I said it again, and I don't want to necessarily <laughs> use that term. It's a, it's a test equivalent, a test equivalency, if you will. Um, um, but on how to do that. Um, we do, for the inspection and testing, want to make sure that you have those performance measures and experience, um, just like you would in any other program. So that's where that experience review does come in um, and the fee to, to um, do that review um, um, if you've met the exam requirement through um, the comprehensive exam. Um, so I'm glad you took advantage of that <laughs> and, and I hope others will more, but it, it wasn't our intent that to say that you have to have both, you know, I think there were a lot of requirements that were written that said that, um, you know, if you had the comprehensive and were certified and doing that type of work, um, that that requirement could stay the same, but it could the inspection and testing um, requirement could be added to it. You could, you know, have, have one or the other or both, um, and um, depending on the specific requirement that's put in place. Um, you know, for that job role. No, I'm really glad you went through that. And for me, I do a lot of work with designers, installer maintainers, as well as uh, inspection and testing. And I really wanted to go through the process, understand what it was to obtain those credentials, and then to help spread the word uh, to the industry. You know, we did that with the sprinkler world, where we you know, have a sprinkler test and inspect uh, that's separate from, uh, from designer and others. So Chip, we only have a few minutes left. Is there any final closing comments or thoughts or things that you would like to convey to this audience uh, about NYSET? So I did want to um, mention that we do rely on industry input 
for the development of the programs. Um, and for the fire alarm systems program and the sprinkler layout program, um, they, they're kind of in cycle. We, we have the, um, the, the primary code or, um, that, that goes along with those programs. Um, you know, for fire alarm systems, NFPA 72, and then for this, the water-based systems layout, um, NFPA 13. And those both um, are on the, on the same three-year cycle of 2016, 2019, 2022. And probably, as, as everybody's aware, the 2022 editions are about to come out if they're not out already. Um, NYSED is currently on the 2016 edition. And we are working towards staying, you know, no more than one um, uh, cycle behind NFPA. And we're right about at the point to begin updating to the 2019 um, uh, edition. And we're going to make, be doing a call for volunteers. So if you, if you get asked, I encourage you to help um, if you can. Um, we're doing mostly remote right now be, because of the pandemic situation. And we found we can do a lot of it remotely. Um, there are certain things that are better done in person, as, as everybody's probably aware as well. Um, but for right now, we are, are, are staying um, as far as remote development. But we're just about to begin those updates for those two programs that I know that um, Johnson Controls has many folks certified in both. Um, so I encourage you to help and appreciate if you can. Many of you probably already have. Um, so if you could do that, um, uh, when we, you, you see the call, if you can answer it, um, we truly appreciate it. And it just is a way to give back to the industry and ensure that um, NYSED is staying on track. No, that's great, Chip, and I really appreciate it. And I know we've just touched on the surface here of what NYSED is and some of the programs, but uh, you've helped to clear up some of the things and give people a little bit of a glimpse inside, and I appreciate that. Uh, so thank you for your time today, Chip, and thank you for being part of Industry Roundtable here at Johnson Controls. It's my pleasure. Happy to do it. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Roundtable. Be on the lookout for more podcasts in the coming weeks covering a range of fire and life safety related topics. Before we wrap up, I wanted to mention that this podcast is for informational purposes and is not professional advice. We recommend you consult with your local authorities or seek professional counsel for your life safety needs.